3: You can call it Black Monday moves. Barry Trotz was fired as coach of the New York Islanders Monday morning with general manager Lou Lamarillo saying he felt the team needed a new voice. Lou Lamarillo declined to explain why he thought, quote, a new voice was necessary. My take on Lamarillo is that he knows what he's doing. The Islanders missed the playoffs. And with Lou and certain GMs around the NHL, if you fail to get the job done, off with your head.
2: This is the Rod Peterson Show.
3: Hey, Canada and Canadian sports fans in the United States, you're looking good. Welcome to the RP Show for this Tuesday, May the 10th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. We're very excited to be talking sports with you today, as has become the custom a lot of hockey. Coming up on the program today, Dallas Stars TV host from Bally Sports, Brian Ray, and from the Washington Capitals television crew, Alan May. May Day. A different May, but still a great May. Alan May, and Esteban Bruins alum. He's coming up as well an hour too. two. We go to the NHL's Bermuda Triangle right now and welcome in the Moose, Darren DuPont. And I'm quite interested. I have it somewhere in my list here, Moose, that um, the Toronto Maple Leafs apparently are playing tonight. And I'm just wondering... When your feet hit the floor this morning, were you excited about game five between Tampa and Toronto? How are we feeling about the big one tonight in uh, the T DOT?
0: Yeah, you really don't know how to feel anymore with that team. I get it, but uh, no, feeling good, feeling excited for all the games tonight, but uh, that one especially will be interesting. Absolutely. Well, listen, it's in my, it's about point 0.2. But let's hit the quick six show horn, please,
3: Director Jordan, as is the custom as we go through the uh, six hottest. Uh, of the day. There we go. Thank you. And uh, by the way, check in. Tell, tell your friends. Start spreading the news. The RP Show is on the air, live streaming on YouTube. Come join us in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to open them with Monday's NHL leftovers because who doesn't love leftovers? Johnny Gaudreau scored on a penalty shot, a weak call. For the Calgary Flames in a 4-1 victory over the Dallas Stars to even up their playoff series at 2-2, Elias Lindholm and Rasmus Anderson also scored, and Michael Backlund had an empty netter for Calgary, which generated three unanswered goals before Dallas countered in the third. uh, Totter Segin scored the Stars' lone goal. Goalie Jake Ottinger stopped 50 shots. 50 shots in the loss. Jacob Markstrom uh, made 34 saves for the victory, and away we go. We're learning so much in this series. We're going to spend a little time on each game because there's only four games a night right now, and why not spend some time on it, Moose? I'm learning that the nickname of Jake Ottinger is Otter, according to their head coach, Rick Bonus, who said after the game last night that Otter is really giving him a chance in this series. The, the penalty shot call... On Goudreau was terrible. I feel like it wasn't a great knife for NHL officiating. I don't know or can't remember who the stars defenseman is. Somebody help me out. He lifted up Goudreau's stick. He didn't even touch Goudreau's body. So he muddled up the scoring chance. That's what you're supposed to do unless the rules change. I don't think it has. He didn't even touch Goudreau. He touched his stick. Uh bad call. It was the game winner. And I'm sure the stars were suitably incensed. Just like the Panthers coaching staff, which you're gonna get to. That's my take. What's yours?
0: You know what? I liked the call, but for different reasons. And it wasn't about whether it was a penalty or not. So you can argue that. I don't, I'm not, argue, I'm not saying that that was a penalty or wasn't. But what I'm saying is if, if he, if the ref thought it was a penalty, I liked that he called a penalty shot because too often in these playoffs, he gets scared to make the call. Like, I, I'm not saying that that call, was a hook dude. and it he deserved a penalty. Call. Right but at least if he was going to make a call, he made the right one, which was the penalty shot. Not, you know, in that situation, nine out of 10 officials in the playoffs would just call it a two-minute minor. I'm glad he at least called the penalty shot, but I'm with you that the call was a little weak because he barely touched his, you know, stick by his hands. It was, it changed the whole game too. It was very, very, uh, very um, impactful in the game. Can we get most some
1: sniffers? Wiki, wiki. <laughs> you're saying you're agreeing with
3: me that he blew the call and it was the game winner. Like, I kind of yeah. get what you're saying, that he had the nuts yeah. to call a penalty shot, but he blew it. So I don't right. see how any of this is good.
0: <laughs> it's good for Calgary, good for the Flames, and for Gaudreau yes. who finished it off. I mean, and, and to be honest, yeah. at the end of the day, um, the Flames played such a great game that night and last night and putting up, I don't remember what the shot total ended up, 52 or 53, I think, but it's the most ever they've had in a playoff game. Um, they were really dominant last night and, and played pretty well, just as, as Bernie Nichols said they would be yesterday. Oh, Bernie Nichols called it. That's why we have the
3: best analysts on this show in every league. Corey Gurley in the NFL, Bernie Nichols in the NHL, our Bet Regal NHL ambassador. Oh, yeah, here we go. Jason and Red Deer writing in. He says, as soon as you get a blade in there, it's a hooking call all day long. I don't agree, but it was correct. No, it wasn't. He didn't put the hook on Johnny Gaudreau. He put the hook on his stick. He lifted his stick and muddled up the scoring chance. That's not a penalty certified hockey official here. Been 35 years, but I think it still stands. <laughs> Zach, Kel- uh, Zach Nelson in Calgary. Wait, Rod, you think that penalty shot called is weak? I completely disagree with you. Cool? I'm sure I'll sleep just fine. And Jeff, the Stamps fan, writes in and he says, I take back everything I said about the Flames yesterday. Restart the parade plans. That's funny right there. That's funny. I, I, I'll let Jeff, the Stamps fan, off the hook, because I, I do remember this last night. He's like, the series will end. I was thinking of this last night. The series will end Wednesday. In game five, and now no, now it's a best of three, and it looks like the Flames will come back and win this thing. Quite the emotional roller coaster. That's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Enough about that game. In Nashville, Valerie Nichushkin scored the tiebreaker with 7.58 to go, and the Avalanche became the first team to advance to the second round, beating the Predators 5-3. We don't need to spend any money on this. This is Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, my favorite WWF wrestler of all time, wiping his brow and just dropping the sweat on the Nashville Predator. We're done with you. And, you know, Cale McCarr setting all kinds of records. He is the uh, uh, leading scorer in the playoffs. There was, uh, you saw, I mentioned it, was it yesterday, that Kale's seven points through the opening three games uh, were second to only Paul Coffey and was it Al McGinnis, I think, in NHL history. Now he's leading all Stanley Cup playoff players, skaters entirely in scoring. This kid is unbelievable. Kale McCarr of the Avalanche. Everybody knows that, but he'd better win the Norris. I'm moving on, Moose. They were having parties here in South Florida, as you saw last night. Quite a few of them, actually. Uh, watch parties. Because the game was in Washington and Sam Reinhart tied it late in regulation and Carter Verhege scored his second of the game in overtime. And the President's trophy winning Florida Panthers beat the Washington Capitals 3-2 in game four. That series tied 2-2. Verhage scored 457 into overtime to keep the NHL's best regular season team from getting pushed to the brink of elimination. The Panthers were just over two minutes away. From going down 3-1 in the series, but with goalie Sergei Bobrovsky pulled for an extra attacker, Reinhardt collected a loose puck after it bounced off Capital's forward garnet Hathaway and beat Ilya Samsonov with 204 remaining in the third period. Bob stopped 14 shots. Samsonov made 29. I don't know why this is even a series. I'm watching the starting five for the Panthers and the starting five for the capitals. I'm like, "Who's this? Hathaway this? Anne Hathaway, why is this even a series? Why are the Panthers battling to come back and tie this thing? But they did. And one of those parties I was telling you about last night, David Imber is the public address announcer of the Panthers, and he's a friend of mine. And uh, I wasn't at that party. But here's what they did, Moose. He, they had him on the mic in the bar. So when they scored the goals, the Panthers, he announced it in the bar. That's and the cool. place went nuts. <laughs> wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so and then Sam was. Bennett, like, when I talked about the Panthers uh, being upset like the Stars should have been, at least the Panthers came back and won the game. I don't know if you saw it, but Sam Bennett got clipped in the face. It was, um, I think it was Oshie. And then the Capitals swing it back the other way, come back and score and make it 2-1. Andrew Brunette losing his mind, the Panthers coach Bruno, on a missed call there. Why am I getting upset? I shouldn't even care. The Vegas Golden Knights are my team. And I am loathe to talk about officiating, especially this time of year. I guess we can give our opinions, but blown penalty shot, Colin Dallas missed hit to the head. Like, how do you miss? He's blading from the nose. How do you miss a hit to the head?
0: I know. And it was, uh, you know, coming from the blind side. And, you know, the, you talk about what's Oshie oh, supposed to do in that situation as he turned at the last second, but you're still coming across to make the play. and. You don't really see his face, so it is kind of coming at the side, which is completely illegal. Um, they missed it, ends up in a goal, but Andrew Burnett, you know, we've, I've questioned him on this show if, if he has the experience or the ability to lead the Florida Panthers deep into the playoffs coming in midway through the season for Joel Quenville. But you know what? He put the Panthers' season on the line. He pulled the goalie down just the goal with, what, over three minutes to go in that game, and it worked. They didn't even give the Capitals a chance to touch the puck until they scored. He said, look, at we're putting the season on the line here. If they lose in that fashion, giving up an empty net goal with three minutes left to go down two goals and go down 3-1 in the series, it might be over. But he put the, his balls on the table, and it paid off. They won in overtime, and I think Florida could roll from here. They looked really good after that. And He mentioned only giving up, what, the uh, 15 or 16 shots last night.
3: Yeah. Randy from Winnipeg. Uh, writes in, says, bad call for sure on Johnny Hockey. I don't need the backup, but I appreciate it. From my cousin Christine in Medicine Hat, she says, how times have changed regarding penalties. And that's true. I got my certification. They've tweaked the rules over the last 35 years, but the staple, the core rules have largely remained the same. And uh, that was not a penalty shot. But the hockey gods, you believe in them, right, Darren? Football gods, hockey gods, you believe in them. Yes. The hockey gods evened it out in a couple of cases. The Panthers came back to win the game in overtime, so that one didn't matter. And as Wayne in Victoria, B.C. writes in and says, sorry, Rod, but the Flames outplayed the Stars and deserved the win. You don't need to apologize to me at all. I know that's a rhetorical sorry, Rod, but the Flames deserved to win the game. They did win the game, but the game-winner was on a blown call. See what I'm saying? Um, okay, <clears throat> let's move on. In Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby had a goal and three assists to become the sixth player in NHL history. They hit 200 career points, and the Penguins routed the Rangers 7-2. to They grab a 3-1 series lead. Jake Gensel scored for the fourth consecutive game. Jeff Carter, Danton Heinen, Mark Friedman, and Mike Matheson also beat Igor Shesterkin as the Penguins chased the Vezina favorite for the second time in three games. Alexei Lafreniere picked up his first career playoff goal for the Rangers, gave him an early lead, but that was it. Adam Fox scored his second of the playoffs. So there's that. The Penguins are still the Penguins. They're pantsing everybody. Nobody saw this coming. And, by the way, the news this morning from the NHL is the candidates for the Vezina Trophy were announced this morning. The top three finalists, and they are Moose, help me out, Igor Shesterkin, UC Saros of the Predators, and Jacob Markstrom of the Flames. And the last I looked, the poll is, of course, for Capital Automall, Universal Collision Center, and... Last I look, thank you boys, uh, Igor and despite getting pulled, the last two games is leading the poll on Twitter. I'm not sure what they're saying on YouTube, but that is the deal there. I want to drop this in, Rod's Rants, brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating. To schedule maintenance or to learn more about our services, call 306-781-2090. The preferred plumbing, heating, and cur- uh, cooling services of the Rod Peterson Show. Are we done with this, Moose? Can we move on? Or where are you on things?
0: Yeah, I'm good. I'm just, I'm loving that Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I'm on the bandwagon, Rod. I'm on the, I'm on the wagon.
3: Hard not to cheer for them, and they got a lot of fans because they've gone uh, late into the spring for a lot of years. Um, hey, Oilers, Kings tonight, a word on that for the Oilers fans. Stacked with two of the NHL's top talents, the Oilers' power play is Nothing short of lethal, but stagnant special teams proved costly for them in Game 4. For the first time in the series, the Oilers failed to score with the man advantage and dropped a 4 nothing decision to the Kings. The series is now tied 2-2, going into Rogers place tonight. Every part of Edmonton's game needed improvement, said center Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Led by Connor McDavid, Edmonton was dominant with the man advantage in the regular season, finishing the campaign with the third-best power play in the NHL. The dynamic group seemed to find yet another gear early in the playoffs, going 5-for-11 in the first three games. But as I mentioned, shut out in Sunday's Game 4. The Orders' penalty kill has also clicked in the playoffs, denying L.A. on all but one of its 12 power plays and netting a shorty in Game 2. Again, Oilers-Kings tonight, Game 5. The series is tied 2-2. That one's all coming down to goaltending. That's all that it is. It's coming down to goaltending. When Quick is on, when he's Jonathan Quick, that we know, the Kings win. That's what the Oilers should be worried about. Stay out of the box, as I just read. And for you tonight, Leafs lightning. I don't know how this series is going to turn out. I'm sure you're a little nervous. But what did you, you heard the clip with Bernie Nichols there at the start. When I was reading Steve Simmons' commentary, his column where he said, no matter what happens, if the Leafs lose, they shouldn't fire Dubas because this is a good team.
0: What do you think? Yeah, and Bernie said that. He said it kind of sucks that you got the top two teams in his mind on this side of the bracket playing in the first round of the playoffs well it happened last year tampa and florida and you know florida would have got past tampa they might have rolled to a stanley cup you know i look at it a couple of ways one yeah that does suck for the fans and for toronto and and tampa because one of those two teams is going to lose out in the first round of the playoffs and that sucked but on the other hand if you're going to win a stanley cup you're going to have to go through them eventually so why not get it out of the way now it's a it's it's quite a test you know. What we've learned in these playoffs, you can take nothing, nothing from the last game that will lead into this game. So like when Sheldon Keefe says flush it, they will, they have to, because there's been no carryover from game to game. It's just completely wild. So nobody has any idea what's going to happen tonight.
3: Interesting that Bernie would say that. One thing that I've made massive leaps in in the last year is not listening to the opinions of others. And, oh, my God, is it the best level that you get to in life when you don't? And uh, the reason being, here's Bernie complaining about that. I just get a vision of the NHL office. Uh, what is it? 212 Avenue of America's downtown New York in Manhattan. I've been there. The suit's just going. <laughs> We're trying our best. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's how they react. They, they go, well, we, Bernie goes, we want one versus eight, one through eight. Well, we can't because we need to have the, the uh, crossover, the wild cards to get the best teams in. And now you're pissed off about that. You know, they, you just sit and enjoy the hockey. I have more stories about that, but I'll wait until we come back. And Darren has some very good thoughts on the CFL labor uh, thing. The Rough Riders had five players retire yesterday. What? There's a lot to get to, and the text line is open, 902-518-3033. We'll be right back. You're watching the RP Show on YouTube live streaming today and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com.
2: Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. You got to subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed.
3: It is the RP Show. Welcome, everybody. By the way, we're brought to part by Rockstar Supply Chain Solutions. Rockstar specializes in improving your company's performance and bottom line through supply chain management services. That is Rockstar Supply Chain Services. Uh, as we roll along here, my point three in the quick six show topics pertains to the Toronto Blue Jays. There's the moose. The Toronto Blue Jays send Yusei Kikuchi to the mound tonight in New York, opening a two-game series. The Yankees countering with Luis Severino. The Jays are coming off a losing series in Cleveland where they drop three of four games. That's my obligatory Blue Jays mention. We're not a baseball show. I see people that are upset. They're saying, yeah, you could lose a few to the Yankees. Maybe Boston, but Cleveland? Really, Cleveland? You lose a series to Cleveland? And I'm thinking, it's a long season, okay? It's 162 games. Blue Jays, what are they, 17 and 13? It's hard to keep the hammer down the whole time, but the Yankees are. <laughs> They're 20 and eight. so and leading the American League. So this is a game tonight that the Blue Jays need to have, and tomorrow as well, to take a bite out of the Big Apple.
2: How about that? How about that? They
0: need it. They need yeah. it in those games so, against Cleveland. I mean, four hits in the one game. I mean, you're not going to win a lot of ball games when you get just four hits in the game. Uh, yeah, Jays, it is I a mean, long year, though. They'll be fine. Not even May, long weekend. Yeah. <clears throat> I, see, I see the unrest,
3: but it's like just chill. Moose has a wonderful take on the CFL labor stoppage. And here's, I'm going to read a news release first, and then we'll get to that. And then I want you guys, if you don't mind, back in the Millennium Falcon, the best production crew in broadcasting. Jordan Clark, Ryan, Rolfe, Bryce, Up all to. these guys. Yes, sir. I want you to put the camera on him so I can go get my bell, my uh, breaking news and my <laughs> gong bell, okay? Because I left it over here. So the news, the breaking news. This is from Monday, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders signed six player. American wide here, I'm gonna read him. American wide receiver Dooley. Aristilde Jr. Defensive lineman Ben Davis. Defensive lineman Kalon Davis. Wide receiver Charles Heaton III. Defensive lineman Ezekiel Rose. And defensive lineman Justin Thomas. This reminds me of Cliff Clavin in the Cheers uh, episode uh, when, when Cliff went on Jeopardy. Who are six men that have never been in my kitchen? I'm sure they're great players. I'm sure they had great careers. <clears throat> I don't know who they are. What was more interesting was the list of the five players that retired. It was like, huh? Global defensive lineman Christopher Azila, Canadian running back Jonathan Femi Cole, who I believe they just drafted last year in the first round. American offensive lineman Bryce Hargrove, Canadian wide receiver Terrell Jana, who they took in the first round last year, highly touted prospect, and Canadian offensive lineman Matlin Riley, who's been on this show. Pride of Melfort, U of S Huskies grad, played with the Riders last year, and then they cut American wide receiver Ricardo Lewis. I'm sure they have their own reasons, but he seemed like a hell of a player. So this is where we're going to turn the moose loose on a couple of things. But number one, the retirements of the players, you feel that it is exactly what it looks like on the eve of training camp. The juice isn't worth the squeeze, as they say. This is not a financial proposition.
0: Basically, these guys are going to get on with their lives. That's right. They're going to get on with their lives, um, got their jobs, other opportunities. So not a big newsworthy thing here, but uh, that's the biggest part of it. And is he leaving already? You can get into okay. the, um, I, the yeah, lockout no, I stuff, will. too. Um, for sure. Okay, on I, I'm moving, he, he,
3: he, hang on. <laughs> I need to tee it up for you, apparently. Anything else yes. I can get you? Okay, so thanks for your take on the retirements, Moose. Now, I kid, of course, because I love you. The lockout, the thing on the... I, I, I should have had it ready to go. This lady, I believe her name was Heather Stark. She wrote me on Twitter and she said, we are days away from the start of training camp. We should all be getting revved up for the start of the season in camps. And all we're hearing about is labor unrest and a potential work stoppage and a strike possibly. And the owners have now agreed to cover... The cost of the players if the strike stretches on. So what I said to you before we went to air, and you gave this like eloquent wrap-up, I'm like, can you please put that on the air? Or do you not want to? And you're like, no, I will. So I said, is this all bargaining, or is it as unprofessional as it looks? There you go, son. Sprout, it's on the tee for you. Mm. Let it go.
0: Yeah, you know... It's funny you talk about it being unprofessional and, and, and the difference between that and the bargaining tactics. It is, it's bargaining tactics. I mean, when you look at the owners versus the players, I mean, whoever makes more money should have a little more breathing room in terms of being able to withstand not working and not getting paid. So if a player is getting 60, 70, $80,000, they might be a little bit more eager to sign a deal and play because they need to make money. They don't have a lot of money in the bank. They're not rolling in, in dough. So it becomes really difficult for the players. So holding out to training camp before negotiating and then putting you know, these demands in front of the players, it's a tough spot for the players to be in because they have to now decide, we really need to make money. You got somebody like Cody Fajardo who's making more money than most, but he just had a new kid. He's now you know, coming up to Canada and leaving his family and all that stuff. He's got expenses. And all of a sudden you're gonna tell me he's not gonna get paid. So there's a lot of pressure on these players. And I know the 10-year CBA has been a big, you know, issue, but for most of the players, they're not worried about 10 years. They're not gonna play 10 years. They're worried about the three or four years in front of their face, right? So that's that's important there. But you know, I talked about it as well for the average, you know, ticket buying fan walking around. I honestly don't think they're paying attention to it all that much. I know on on social media and we've got our our diehard fans and there's a lot of them that are paying attention and wondering if we're going to have camp. But for the the average ticket buying Canadian across the Canadian football league, I don't think they're paying attention. You know, I compared it to Robert Downey Jr. and his contract negotiations for the next Marvel movie. You know, I'm upset if he's not going to be in it, but if he's not, I'm still going to go to the next movie. I'm going to find something else to fill my time. So if we end up having a strike, It will be devastating, but just like in the lockout, we'll find a way to fill our time with something else.
3: That's where I'm at, obviously. And I I get if you get a paycheck in the CFL as a player, you're very concerned. You mentioned the Fajardo thing, making whatever he's making, over $400,000 a year. You want to know if you're going to get paid. Are we playing or not? You've got a baby on the way, as you said. I will say this, as a young man, when I put myself in the the mindset of these guys in their early 20s, I couldn't have gone a month without a paycheck. I couldn't, right? So the fact that they haven't been paid since last season, it's a tough one. It's a a tough situation. But I don't depend on the CFL for a paycheck anymore, so I don't really want to talk about it. So you very eloquently put a bow on that, and I'm moving on. Alicia Smith watching on YouTube says, The juice isn't worth the squeeze. Ha-ha. Thank you. It's not mine. I didn't come up with it, but I like it. Wayne in BC writes and he says, I didn't recognize most of those retired players. Thank goodness it's not name slash star players retiring. Right. Because who cares about these guys, right, Wayne? They're not worthy people. They're not stars. Get out of here. I know I'm a little defensive about that, but it's like, they're people too. Career's over? Pants on him. I never heard of him. Who cares? It's a little like the, the Plaza of Honor guys that went in yesterday, or the announcement that they're going in yesterday. Ken Miller, Weston Dressler, Mike McCullough. Here's one.
1: To Joe Blow, can you name me five Rough Riders? I'd struggle.
3: And I'm a fan. Right? I think the 2013 team, Darren, you could rattle off 15 to 20. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that was a decade ago. 54-man roster. Right. Name me five, please. Charleston Hughes? Uh, no. no. Uh, He played with Toronto last year. Ed Uh, Gaty? No. They showed him the door. John Ryan? Wait. No, they told me they don't want him back. So... Thank goodness they're not star players. Who are the star players? Sorry,
0: it's just me. Got a lot of work to do. No, got a lot of work <laughs> to do. Like that's so important. And and maybe, you know, I always try and think that maybe the young fans that, you know, say in their 20s and in their teens, maybe they can name every rider and that's you hope that's the case. You know, maybe it's we've gotten busy since we've been older, but I don't know if that is the case. Like, it's tough, you know, all the turnover, and uh, it's become a real business, and I get it, but at the same time, it's the players that sell tickets. And you got to, you know, when you're, when you're that in tune with the team, that's what makes you go out and make decisions to buy tickets and buy gear and support the team. Weston Wrestler is the guy that made you buy tickets, you know? And what was it?
3: Eight seasons with the club. When the average career is now 1.5 years. You made a really good point there earlier. A 10-year proposal on a new CBA when the average career is 1.5 years? These guys aren't thinking about what's going to happen in 10 years. They're not they're thinking about what's going to happen in 10 minutes. Yeah. Anyways, Ted watching in Red Deer. The CFL must have the best footwear ever. They keep shooting themselves in the foot but are able to keep running. I just... Leave that there. It's a good point, Ted. That's right. Ryan McCarthy writes it. He says, good day to the Rod squad from sunny Saratoga, New York. Rangers are on the brink. Avs sweep and two more series are tied at two. Oh, and the Yanks are still in first in the AL East. In brackets, sips coffee. Well, thanks that you just showed up, Ryan. We covered it all already. How about that? Let's talk about the leagues that are playing. Jake Neighbors scored the winner in overtime, and the Edmonton Oil Kings beat the Red Deer Rebels 5-4 to take a 3-0 lead in that WHL playoff series. That game was in the centrium. Luke Prokop scored, plus assisted on the game winner at 7-17 of overtime. Dylan Gunther, Carter Such, and Justin Sordoff also scored for the Oil Kings, which a scout said they got five players who are going to be in the NHL last year, or next year. I think I just named a few of them. Scoring for the Rebels were Liam Keeler, Kalen Lind, Archdeep Baines, and Jet Larson. Sebastian Kosa made 18 saves for Edmonton, while Connor Unger turned aside 47 for the Rebs. Kosa's another guy that's going to be in the NHL next year. They got three first-rounders on their team, and while we have a minute, tonight's, uh, tonight's slate in the dub... Winnipeg at Moose Jaw, Kamloops in Vancouver. I got some buddies that are going over to Moose Jaw tonight. They're very pumped. Ice and Warriors. Can the Warriors make it a series, Moose? What do you think?
0: They, ha- they can, absolutely. They've got the talent to do it. They've got a 20-year-old goaltender who's got to be good. Um, but I like it. You know, Winnipeg is just so dominant. Maybe it's just the matchup. But, no, Moose Jaw can absolutely make this a series if they come to play tonight.
3: Moose, we'll see you uh, in hour two.
0: Okay, sounds good.
3: We're going to talk some Stanley Cup playoffs. When we return, Brian Ray of the Dallas Stars television broadcast crew joins us next. You're watching the RP Show on Game Plus TV, YouTube Live, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com.
2: Head to youtube.com slash the Peterson Show now you got to subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Hey, by the way, did you know that every Tuesday is Taco Tuesday? That's Bellworthy. And we're talking taco time for only $2 each. Your biggest question today... Do you order hard or soft-shell tacos, beef or veggie? You know me. I'm a hard-shell beef guy, but I'm not married to it. Over 120 locations across Canada, Taco Time, there's always one near you. By the way, Johnny Gaudreau scored on a penalty shot for the Calgary Flames in Monday's 4-1 win over the Dallas Stars, and that series is now 2-2. That penalty shot call has been uh, much debated on this program so far today, and I'm interested to get the take of Brian Ray, who joins us now. From the Big D, from Valley Sports Southwest. Uh, Welcome back to the program, Brian. Been watching you a lot. How
1: you doing, big guy? Doing good. First of all, hard shell beef taco, chicken quesadilla. I'm going to roll with one of those two if I'm walking up to a spot.
3: (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. And you never go wrong with those choices. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian, for the sponsor love. Taco (laughs) time. Can you please tell? I looked up uh, the wire service. Try to find a quote from Rick Bonus on the penalty shot call last night. I didn't see one. Uh, It was the game-winning goal, and I thought it was a terrible call. But what was your take, and what are they saying in Dallas about the game-winner in Game 4?
1: Rick Bonus didn't offer much of anything because his team just gave up 53 shots in uh, arguably the (laughs) most important game in the series. So I think the penalty shot was the the last thing on his mind. My co-host, Brent Severin, I was talking with him before we went on air for our post-game show. I thought it was a soft call, I, and there it wasn't much of a hook or a stick lift, but by the letter of the law, he did catch his hands, John Klingberg, and it did technically negate a scoring chance. So I guess by the letter of the law, that is a penalty shot. The, the question that I was asking is if that situation occurred in game 54 of the regular season, I don't think the penalty shot gets awarded. So why was it awarded in, in a game of this magnitude? But it's, it feels like we've seen a handful of those situations throughout these playoffs. Just the way things have been called. I think a few of us have scratched our heads the way they're trying to set this new standard or whatever you want to call it for some of the penalties that have been handed out in these playoff games.
3: Yes, well, I'll tell you what, man. Listen, you've been watching hockey a long time. You're a St. Louis guy. To get a penalty shot in the playoffs on a breakaway, you would normally have to physically assault the guy, not have to slow it down frame by frame by frame. And I think nine times out of ten, that's not even a hooking penalty in the regular season, like you say. But I credit Rick Bonus, and maybe that's why he's been around for so long. Then, then he wasn't even that concerned about it, that his team wasn't that good. So um, what's flipped? Because you saw all the pressure on the Flames, their big guns, for not having scored in the series till last night. What changed to, from games three to four?
1: I almost, wow, that, that's when I think about that. I, the biggest thing that changed is probably 50 plus shots for Calgary. They finally had a breakthrough because they have had moments of sustained offensive pressure, they have had moments where they've been on the power play, but. It took a five-on-three power play goal, and it took a penalty shot goal for Calgary to essentially get a 2 nothing lead. Then they add on the third from Lindholm, they add on the empty netter. So when you look at the big picture, it's like it still took some very particular situations for the Calgary Flames to to, to beat Jake Ottinger. I think over the course of this series... Dallas, for the most part, has slowed down that top line, and they've clogged up Calgary's offense. There's been moments where Calgary has had great looks, and I thought actually the four on four scenarios had been benefiting the Calgary Flames because they finally had space to operate. They just had not figured out a way to beat Jake Ottinger. They figured out a way last night, but it took 53 shots to figure that out, and You do have to give Jacob Markstrom credit in all this. For me, this series has been entirely about the goaltenders. You know, for us in Dallas, we're focusing on Jake Ottinger and the the 50 saves, but Jacob Markstrom had to be really good in that second period for Calgary. As good as Calgary was when they came out in the first, and it's a scoreless hockey game still, we're sitting here wondering is Dallas really going to get the first goal? After that first period, is Dallas really going to land the first blow again? And now you're starting to wonder what's going to happen here. Could Dallas almost steal this game on home ice? But Jacob Markstrom got Calgary to the point where they could get that power play goal. I, if you're looking for something that's flipped, to go back to your original question, maybe Calgary finally has that next le- level of confidence back. You know, they, not that they didn't believe they could win this series to begin with, but you're sitting here going, man, as well as they have played through the first three games to be down. And then you're thinking, if they can't get this game in Dallas, you're down 3 1. Maybe things have now shifted to where that belief has finally crept in that Jake Ottinger is human in some way. And now they're coming back to Calgary to take a 3 2 lead, to try and take a 3 2 lead on this series if they can get it there. Well,
3: you know, it's interesting. This is the one thing we had uh, a breaking news report a couple of years ago that I had to tell folks that everybody in the NHL is good. Good players, good broadcasters, (laughs) good coaches, good general managers. And my point is the Dallas Stars know what they're doing. We don't see them a whole lot, Brian, on television in Canada. We don't. In in South Florida, never, unless they're uh, playing the Panthers. So what I'm saying is I'm seeing now why they left Braden Holtby on the bench. And Anton Hudobin went to the minors, didn't he? Because this Jake Ottinger is the real deal. I guess they call him Otter. Like, it, have they got the goalie for the next 10 years in Dallas with this guy?
1: Well, he's an RFA after this season. So until he has a contract that says otherwise, you know, we'll see. But regarding the goaltending situation, it, it is weird that, that Jake Ottinger started this season in the minors. But you didn't know what you had with Ben Bishop, obviously. The injuries caught up to him that doesn't work out you thought you had a nice little tandem going with Anton Hudobin and Braden Holtby Braden Holtby has injury issues sneak up that shuts him down Anton Hudobin has some consistency issues and couldn't quite put it together and just slowly Jake Ottinger through circumstance gets handed a game and then one game becomes two becomes four becomes eight And he just kept winning, and he just kept performing. And last season, he had to do this because of injury situations. And they brought him along slowly, but he did not look out of place. At this point now, yes, it is Jake Ottinger's net. Jake Ottinger is the number one goaltender for the Dallas Stars. They'll figure out the contract situation in the offseason, whatever framework that looks like within the constraints of the salary cap. And next season, how is not Jake Ottinger, your number one goaltender, going into training camp, regardless of what the rest of your goaltending landscape looks like? So it's one of those, there's a quiet confidence about this kid. And he is a really mature for a 22, 23-year-old. And it, I can't remember the last time the Dallas Stars had a true homegrown goaltender this young that took over the net. Marty Turco didn't didn't really take over the net until he was 26 and 27. You know, he was homegrown, but he was a little more seasoned by the time he became the true number one. Jake Ottinger has proven, and I know the game is getting younger, they have what should be a franchise goaltender moving forward, but let's see how it looks through this playoffs. Let's see how it looks through the offseason. Let's see how things look next season as he takes on this uh, this full-time role.
3: A hell of a debate who that would be. (laughs) Eddie Belfort came from Chicago, right? Yeah, he was a free agent. Yeah, yeah, came from Edmonton. I'm going to say Don Beaupre. There's one that the kids don't even know who the hell that is. Oh, man, I can sit and talk goalies all day, Uh, especially stars goalies. Uh, Brian? Uh, like I say, watching what you're doing, keep it up, loving it, and uh,
1: enjoy the rest of the series and the playoffs. It should be a fun one, whichever way it goes. I appreciate you guys having me on as always. You enjoy it too.
3: Brian Ray, Bally Sports Southwest, host of Dallas Stars television broadcast. When we come back, Taco Time viewer takeover, and I can tell you right now, pardon the pun, it is going to be spicy. We got some good stuff in there from the viewers today. Uh, on the way an hour two, Alan May, Washington Capitals TV analyst, Estevan Bruins alum. We'll be right back. You are watching the RP Show on Game Plus TV, YouTube live streaming, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com.
2: Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now.
3: As we said, it is Taco Tuesday. Every Tuesday, Taco Tuesday in the over 120 locations across Canada and the United States for Taco Time. For only $2 each, your biggest decision is hard or soft shell or veggie. And actually, I, I see people writing in with what they uh, are going to order at Taco Time today. Why don't you tell me, if you haven't yet, what's your go-to? And by the way, I got to check in with Moose next hour when he rejoins us. We had a guy by the name of Larry Dye in Medicine Hat that had a really good comment last week, and I said that he would be in contention for the comment of the week for Taco Time. But we hadn't officially started the contest, restarted it again. So I need a ruling. I need a ruling if Larry Dye in Medicine Hat has won. Furthermore, as I get to the spicy stuff, uh, the comments here, as I said, John Kirby in Edmonton's got some good stuff here. Where the heck is he? says, Rod, you should make a book called I Could Talk Goalies All Day. Would you buy it? Because I could write it. I, I could write it without even doing much research. Bon, Don Beaupre. Brian Ray in Dallas just said, who's the last homegrown Dallas Stars goalie? Marty Turco. Not bad. I went to the big board that is my brain. And said, Don Beaupre, drafted by the Minnesota North Stars, 37th overall in the 1980 NHL entry draft when Farrah Fawcett and Camaros were hot. Guy played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons with the Minnesota North Stars. Homegrown stud dog, Don Beaupre from Kitchener, Ontario. You're welcome. And I'll tell you a story that my cousin Christine in medicine hat will really like. My dad, when he was having some health problems later on in life, was in the hospital. He was still working with the Dallas Stars at the time. But the Stars were playing Colorado, I want to say 0567 5 6 7 Stanley Cup playoffs, if that's right. And um, Marty Turco gave up the puck in overtime. Dad's watching the game on that rental television that they rape you for <clears throat> financially in the hospital and like $36 a day. Anyways, Marty Turco gets up the puck, the avalanche score. My dad is on the bed, jumping up and down, shaking his fists. So I'm like, Dad, Dad, Dad. Got the IVs, <laughs> has got wires everywhere. And uh, turn off the TV, get him calmed down. And in comes Mick Magoo's wife. That's his nurse. Mick Magoo's wife is my dad's nurse. And she's like, oh, we need to take your blood pressure, Mr. Peterson. I'm like, maybe come back in an hour. How about that? That actually happened. I'll get to more of your comments in a second. Oh, uh, thank you, John Kirby. Last minute of play. Last minute of play in hour one. He has reminded me. I didn't even get to the spicy comments yet. They were related to the CFL. Pardon me, bear with me, uh, about the NHL draft lottery. It is tonight. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Uh, WHL Player of the Week, CEBL signing. NHL holds its draft lottery tonight to set the order for the first 16 picks in its 2022 entry draft set for July 7th in Montreal. The last place Montreal Canadiens have the best odds. The Coyotes have the second best odds. Followed by Seattle. It's a big draft, but I wouldn't want it this year. Number one, I would want it next year. Uh, From Ken, he's watching in Saskatoon. Ken Legas says, Rod, in my opinion, this is one reason why the CFL will be in tougher shape soon. My seven-year-old grandson started flag football at SMF Field in Saskatoon Saturday. It appears it's sponsored by the NFL. He's a cowboy, but would have liked to have been a Bengal. All the kids do this activity with an NFL focus. And all the parents hear is the CBA crap from the CFL. Canon Saskatoon.
2: More coming up in hour two. Stick around. Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson show now. You got to subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. Everybody
0: in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish Sandwich all day.